Cincinnati hospitals treat hundreds of gunshot victims each year, and many of those patients have been victims of gun violence more than once. Can anything disrupt this cycle? This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. A new partnership is taking a different approach to treating young survivors. Today, we're going to talk about the program and how it's designed to help. Joining me now are UC Medical Center Trauma Medical Director, Dr. Amy Makeley. Welcome, Dr. Makeley. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for having me. We're glad you're here. And Cincinnati Children's Director of Trauma Services, Dr. Mira Kodigal. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Kodigal. Thanks so much for having me back. The University of Cincinnati and Cincinnati Children's are financial supporters of Cincinnati Public Radio. Do you have questions or comments about this new initiative? Give us a call at 513-419-7100 or email talk at wvxu.org. Dr. Binkley, um, how many gunshot victims do local hospitals treat on average each year in Cincinnati? We had an alarming number of young people who were shot in Cincinnati in 2023. Yeah, so um, both Dr. Kodogal and I work at what are called the level one trauma centers. Um, and so we serve uh, our community and take care of what we would consider like the, the most injured, the most severely injured um, people in our in our community. And that really includes the vast majority of victims of gun violence. So we see total between our two institutions over 500 victims of gun violence each year. Um, that includes within the city of Cincinnati as well as um, northern Kentucky. And then we do get some uh, patients from uh, eastern Indiana. And how common is it for these victims of gun violence to be victims multiple times? You know, um, kind of across the country, we know that re-injury rates can be as high as 45 percent. Um, and we all see patients that um, we've known that we've cared for multiple times that come through our doors as victims of gun violence, some still healing from their initial injuries, and we see them injured again. Uh, Dr. Kodigal, explain what this new initiative is and, and what it would do. So what we are aiming to do is build what's called a hospital-based violence intervention program. And there are lots of strategies in order to address gun violence. And this is one component of a complex strategy. And I think we recognize that Many in the Cincinnati community have been doing this work for a long time, and it's been shouldered by community organizations and community leaders. And in a lot of ways, the hospitals have done the work of taking care of injured patients and their physical injuries, but we really haven't spent time and energy caring for the whole person and, and doing it over the longitudinal duration of time when they need care. And so the goal of the hospital-based violence intervention program is to meet patients where they're at and to meet them when they come through our doors understand what their needs might be, including both physical needs as well as social needs and mental health support, and then provide that over a longitudinal period of time, uh, more than just the time that they're in the hospital, but over three to six months where we're able to really connect with them and help make sure that they are linked to key support resources throughout our community. Dr. Kodigal, tell me a little bit more about what these interventions would look like. Is this a matter of talking to patients, you know, as soon as they're able to really understand? I mean, walk us through what this intervention would, would look like in the hospital and beyond. So if there was a patient who came through our doors who was injured as a victim of gun violence, they would be met hopefully within the first 24 hours and sometimes even in the emergency room or the trauma bay. But one of our violence prevention uh, specialists and these violence prevention uh, professionals are not 
people like me and Amy who have a lot of book knowledge, but maybe not as much experiential or lived experience in addressing violence in the community. These are folks who are often survivors of violence themselves and can really relate to patients and families and their communities. Such a violence prevention professional would then meet the patient and their family and be able to help do a needs assessment to understand what kinds of supports they may, might need. That could include mental health, that could include job coaching and job assistance, particularly for patients who may have had a criminal record in the past and may need additional support in order to reach um, a, a good job that can help them move forward. Um, it may include additional things such as housing assistance or legal aid, and really trying to recognize that patients who are victims of violence, we see this as an acute, ev acute episode, but it's really a, an acute episode on top of a chronic picture of living in uh, communities of poverty, of having a lack of resources, of having significant social needs and social determinants of health that increase the risk to be a victim of violence. And what we'd like to do is try to intervene in that system and help our patients not just heal, but hopefully thrive and end up in a better place than they start. How important is it to do this intervening early when these uh, kids are, are, are young? Because some of these victims of gun violence have, have been very young in recent years. Unfortunately, we are seeing a significant rise in youth gun violence, and um, it is now the leading cause of death for kids in the United States. And so we really recognize that it's both important for us to intervene for patients when they're young and for their families and their siblings in order to try to address the mental health implications of trauma and to have a trauma-informed approach to taking care of these individuals in their communities. We're talking about a new initiative that aims to stop the cycle of gun violence here in Cincinnati. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or by emailing talk at wvxu.org. Dr. Makeley, you all talked about how this goes beyond healing those physical wounds and really getting into some of the mental health concerns and, and trauma Um can you talk a little bit more, Dr. Makeley, about how this program would address that trauma and those mental health needs that really persist after a person's physical wounds are healed? Sure. Um, we do know that in um, this patient population that our, our victims of gun violence really do experience high rates of mental health disease. Um, there has been um, a stigma to receiving care for mental health disease in the past, and it's really important that we meet our patients at a time when they're ready to receive care and they're open and receptive to care. And sometimes that's not in the initial time when they may be in our hospitals or they may be underneath the medical care for their physical injuries. Um, sometimes um, our patients aren't ready to be receptive or open to care for mental health issues like PTSD until, you know, six to 12 months after that initial injury. Um, and so we're looking with this new program to create that longitudinal care where we have multiple touch points, maybe beyond where they would be receiving medical care in our doors so that we can capture um, and address the mental health uh, disease and issues that uh, extend years beyond that initial injury. 
And Dr. Makeley, you mentioned that there can be this stigma. What kind of stigma and resistance do you see among patients? Um, I guess I'm interested in both of you weighing in on this. When you talk to uh, young patients at Cincinnati Children's or even patients who are a little bit older at UC Medical Center, what, what kind of stigma or resistance do you encounter when it comes to starting those discussions about mental health services? Yeah. So, for example, some people may they may bristle and say, "Oh, I'm not crazy." But really, if you if you talk to patients, they're not sleeping, um, or they're waking up with nightmares, or they're having trouble walking across the a neighborhood where they were injured, or they're having trouble um, even if you're a victim of a of a car accident, getting back in a car, and you have these flashbacks and things. And so, I think it's important um, to develop a relationship with patients so that they feel comfortable talking about some of these things that maybe in the past they weren't comfortable talking about um, and providing uh, our all of our patients that uh, have been victims of gun violence with at least a person that they feel comfortable with. It may not be me. It may not be Dr. Kodigal, but it may be somebody that's lived through um, PTSD or lived through nightmares or not sleeping well or fear um, and can actually um connect with patients at, at a level uh, with that real lived experience. Dr. Kodigal, do you see that stigma and that resistance even among young patients? What, what do you encounter in that regard? We do. We see that, you know, in our communities, and this is true, I think, across the United States, that there is sort of a loaded uh, expectation when you talk to folks about mental health. My kid is fine. I'm fine. I don't need help. Right. I'm OK. I can get through this. And and we trying to move, as Dr. Makeley said, beyond this labeling of saying you may need some mental health support to really digging in with individuals around. Are you sleeping? Are you having flashbacks? Do you have anxiety? I think really helps us to help patients see the ways in which what they've experienced is impacting their daily quality of life. The other part for us on the children's side of things is that we also see siblings and parents and at, who are also suffering from the significant implications of of gun violence and the trauma that occurs with that. And so wanting to make sure that we provide supports for that whole family structure in order to try to reduce re-injury rates, to reduce retaliation, and to recognize that everyone is impacted across the community by these incidents. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I'm not sure which of you wants to weigh in, but tell me a little bit more about how this will incorporate family members and friends to make sure that this um, effort goes beyond the, the individual patient, who's, of course, very important, but almost feeds into this whole network of, of support that these patients have around them. I think this is something that, um, you know, Dr. Kodogal and I are, are probably the most excited about because... Uh, working at the pediatric level one, she's used to um, kind of supporting parents and siblings. And I'm at the adult level one, and we need to also support the children's, the children of victims, as well as their siblings and their and their support. Um, and so, what what's really novel about this program is this is um, the first combined pediatric and adult hospital violence intervention program where we really are looking at providing that same level of comprehensive support to the victims and the families. And I think having the different perspective of the pediatric and the adult centers is something that's going to allow us to really create this comprehensive approach. Um, 
Yeah. I totally agree. And the only other thing that I would add to what Dr. Makeley said is that one of the things about gun violence, which is different from some of the other injuries that we care for, is that they really are, in a lot of ways, very profound community events. So if you fall down the stairs in your house and you bring or your ch- or your two year old does and you bring them to the hospital, generally speaking, there isn't a huge community response to that. But when someone is shot in a neighborhood, there is there's there are big questions around how this impacts the entire community. And so part of what we want to do, and often people know each other, is really think about how do we support on that broader level and how do we recognize that there is a community level trauma even to a single incident of gun violence. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. And later in the program, we'll hear from Black farmers in the region about how they're working to continue a legacy. This is Cincinnati Edition. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We're continuing our conversation about a new initiative that aims to stop the cycle of gun violence in Cincinnati. My guests are UC Medical Center Trauma Medical Director, Dr. Amy Makeley, and Cincinnati Children's Director of Trauma Services, Dr. Mira Kodigal. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100, or you can email talk at wvxu.com. Org. We've talked a bit about this program, but um, Dr. Kodigal, how do you envision that this will reduce violence? I mean, what is it about this that you think will stop these people from, you know, getting becoming victims of gun violence multiple times? Will stop this violence from occurring, or at least reduce it in the community? So we really understand that violence is an acute on chronic. Uh, event and and people are living in situations where they're being set set up for this over and over. And as Dr. Makeley talked about, the re-injury rates can be as high as 45%. So if we can intervene in the lives of an individual, if we can intervene in the lives of their siblings and their family members or their kids, in order to help them address the significant social needs, which may be putting them at higher risk for injury, then perhaps we have an opportunity to help prevent re-injury and to prevent readmission for the same kinds of problems. That being said, we recognize that a hospital-based violence intervention program is one part of a strategy. And in and of itself, it will not solve the problem altogether, but we hope that it will be one prong of a comprehensive strategy to help impact gun violence, particularly gun violence amongst youth and young adults in our city. Dr. Minkley, how do you think this program will differ from other community efforts that are working with young people and their families to try to reduce violence? I mean, there are so many grassroots efforts that are happening in the community right now. How will this be different from those or complement those? I think um, the, the aim is to be complementary. I think you hit it uh, right on the head with your last comment. Um, as Dr. Kodawa said, we can't do this in a silo. Uh, I think a lot of programs struggle out there because um, they're doing excellent work, um, but nobody's really working together. And I think given that we're the level ones, we do see the vast majority of these victims. So we have an opportunity to provide a huge catchment of these patients. Um, right now, we about 20 to 25% of our patients um, that are shot aren't admitted to the hospital. They're turned right back around and discharged from the emergency room because they don't have life or threatening injuries. Um, and I don't know that every one of those patients is being caught by the community organizations out there that are trying so hard uh, to intervene in these patients' lives. So we look at that as an opportunity where 
for even a few hours, we have a hold of a patient that's been injured, that's been shot, that needs help. Um, and so if we can connect our patients uh, with people that then can connect them to the resources they need, that's what we're hoping to capitalize on. That's the opportunity and what we need to do for those patients that come through our doors. Dr. As many maybe oh. heard Amy say in these discussions, right, we as the hospitals have not always been good about opening our doors to the community organizations that are trying to serve patients and families. And so part of what we want to do with this work is really serve as a link to the many organizations and the many individuals who are really exceptionally leading in this space. And our goal is not to be duplicative or not to be replacing any of that work, but really to be augmenting it. Dr. McLeary, I want to circle back to something you said. Did did you say that about that roughly 25% of people who come to the hospital with gunshot wounds are not admitted because their wounds are not, you know, life-threatening? They don't need to be admitted to the hospital, so they're basically treated and then released within hours? Correct. So if you're a victim of gun violence that has just a, you know, a through-and-through gunshot wound to the leg with no fractures, and no uh, vascular injuries, something like that, um, that injury profile wouldn't mandate admission. And so that patient who suffered you know, a severe gunshot injury doesn't have physical needs, but they still need the comprehensive services that we're talking about. And we haven't necessarily supplied our patients with the connections to get those wraparound services. That's where I think a program like this is, is vital. We have to connect that patient with whatever services they need um, to try to uh, reduce that chance of re-injury, reduce that chance of coming in again with a perhaps more devastating uh, injury profile. Well, because I would imagine if they, if those patients are released within hours, that means they could be going right back to the uh, community or environment where they ran into that gun violence in the first place, right? Correct. Dr. Kodigal, how effective have these hospital-based programs been in other cities? So there are some great examples of hospital-based programs, um, including some like the Youth Alive program in Oakland or the um, Wraparound Project in San Francisco that have been around for 20 or 30 years, really deeply living in this space and have seen significant impacts. They have patients and families that they have worked with where they're able to see that those folks have moved um, into a different space in their lives and they they hear back from patients and families. And there are studies that have demonstrated the longer term impact of violence prevention programs on re-injury rates and on the likelihood of uh, folks ha- being involved in violence in the, in the year following their injury. How do you both plan to measure the success of this program? Are there specific reductions in gun violence that you're looking to help achieve through this new initiative? Yes, I think uh, re-injury rates are one important thing to track with these programs, but not the only metric that we would um, that we would track and use as a marker of success. Um, having worked at the level ones, we're both very used to working in an environment where um, tracking is important. Uh, We want to look at how successful these programs can be in terms of connecting our patients with resources they need. Um, And we are absolutely open to uh, taking the feedback and adjusting the program going forward 
um, so that we can, you know, improve and adapt um, and better uh, address uh, whatever needs our, our patients have. Um, and so we both uh, work in institutions that have great infrastructure uh, for data collection and tracking and doing this. And we want to do uh, what is right for our patients. So we'll be continually assessing uh, the program, looking at re-injury rates as one mark of success, but also looking at you know, how often our patients are getting to mental health services or, or how often they're getting um, educational job support, other metrics that we would look at to determine the success of this program. Did you want to add anything to that, Dr. Kodakal? Is there something that you're really kind of hoping to see from this after it's been in place for a while? Absolutely. I mean, I think we want to see um, the ways in which our patients come back. And I think we want to be able to take, if we have patients who do come back with re-injuries, thinking about opportunities, as Dr. Makeley said, for what might we have done differently? What could have had an impact so that we can continually improve? And having robust data collection to ensure that we understand how many victims of violence are we seeing? How often are they accessing the services that Dr. Makeley talked about? And how often are they coming back through our doors? I think will be an important step in trying to understand also access for siblings and families, right? All of the resources that we think are important for surviving and thriving. Well, I've been talking with UC Medical Center Trauma Medical Director, Dr. Amy Makeley, and Cincinnati Children's Director of Trauma Services, Dr. Mira Kodagal. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Up next, we'll talk with black farmers in our region about how they're working to continue a legacy while also battling a legacy of discrimination. This is Cincinnati Edition.